Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Peyton Jones, and I'm a ninja. And this is Pete Mitchell, and I'm a ginger. And you're listening <laughs> to the Church Planner Podcast. I'm a ginger. <laughs> I'm a ninja, and I'm a ginger. You, you know, this funny- all started because we I, I was sent a picture by Ben Bisco, my intern. You heard him a few weeks ago on here. And uh, he sent me a picture, and it was Ginger Ninja. And he was like, this is you and Pete as a drink. So it was pretty funny. You know what's funny is uh, calling a redhead a ginger is one of the most offensive things you can do to a ginger. Yeah, yeah. Like, and luckily he didn't call you that. He he just said if no, no. But drink. like even even me saying and I'm a ginger. It, like to me, I'm like wow. That's I feel like I'm I'm assaulting myself. <laughs> like yeah, I, I feel I, I know I know when I sent it to you, I I had to write Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> Which is our safe word if you don't know. Like when you've crossed the line. Speaking of crossing the lines, you and by I the were way, talking. guys, we we have to use our our safe word quite a lot with each other. <laughs> <laughs> so, so speaking of crossing the line, we were talking the other day about the fact, or actually this morning, that uh, I may have an opportunity on this podcast and my other podcast, Ministry Ninja, ching, to uh, interview Chuck Swindoll. So. I kind of got this alarm bell in my head maybe six weeks, two months ago. It was about a month before Warren, Wears- Warren Wiersbe died that you need to interview Warren Wiersbe. And I never did. Now that's killing me. So I've been pursuing an interview with Chuck Swindoll. And I mean, I already lost R.C. Sproul, probably the greatest uh, mind, Christian mind of our time. I think he was our C.S. Lewis. Um, of this generation, and we lost him. So um, there's so many other people I would have loved to interview, but we were talking about the question at the end. Pete goes, only if I get to do the question, which is... Uh, if you were to get into a fist fight with you and blank, who 
would win? <laughs> That's where we like, who do we make them fight? Like, I was you know. thinking, you know, like do uh, uh, Billy Graham 1975. You know, like that I say would, we got to start picking people from time periods. Cause well, that that was my favorite one that we ever did was when we, we picked, you know, Billy Graham circa, you know, because <laughs> it was like it wasn't fair to make him do Lion and Winter Billy Graham. Like, you know, 90-something years old, we had to pick like strapping Hulk of a man, Billy, you know, right. like, hey, Andrew, you can't look at him too long on the TV screen, Billy Graham, you know, hunk a hunk of burning evangelist. We, it was kind of like, I, you know, I've never heard he anyone describe Billy Graham that way. I'm, I'm actually a little bit disturbed <laughs> by that image. <laughs> <laughs> yes, such things are forbidden, but you know, it, it, it's Forboden. funny because foreboding indeed Forboden. Uh, which is even worse if you don't know this if you're new to the podcast welcome and we're sorry um this is where <laughs> we add a little sunshine every time welcome and we're sorry that you made it here it's so funny because you're a marketer right like you're never supposed to apologize you're supposed to be like hey welcome to the you know baddest uh you know church planner podcast in the land and you're supposed to like Make it like how awesome you are. Well, and we even just this know. morning, you were comparing our podcast to another podcast that shall go unnamed. And you were like, <laughs> ours is so much better and we got way better numbers. And I'm like, yeah, ours is kind of the best. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the marketing. So what I totally dig about you, man. Rod Tidwell, not going to make me do it. But, you know, I was thinking like, you know, when we're talking about Ginger Ninja. This is where it comes full circle now. Um, that would be a question that would be highly inappropriate to ask a guest of that stature. Like, could you imagine like, okay, um, if you were a beer, uh, Chuck Swindoll, what beer would you be? Right? Like you couldn't ask that question, right? That would just I be... would love for you to have asked Rick Warren, are you a ginger ninja? Oh, ginger ninja. I, I think or, that or introduce him as such. Oh. Hey, we're here with the ginger ninja, the the radical that put the radical, or he put the rad and radicalis. You know, I mean, we we could just go on and on and on about, you know, yeah. He's the yuppie whisperer. We could, you know, I mean, we could the just go on whisper. and on. Oh, it would be so good, you know. Yeah. What was the guy that he uh, that he targeted? Rick Warren. I'm a I huge Rick Warren fan. By I the don't way, know what this is not meant with disrespect. What do you mean? Uh, what was the the, oh. the profile? That he had something Bob or oh uh, Saddleback Sam Saddleback Sam yeah yeah we'd we'd have to we'd have to just take all of his monikers kind of like on the Hobbit when he's like I am the man that lives from under the mountain I am I am the barrel rider the you know he who you know he lists off like twenty different names and uh, we'd have to do that with him that maybe maybe I'll do that with Swindoll because the I think it'd be awesome because we can't get he's uh, funny. We can't get Rick Warren to do our podcast. We've tried. We've tried the <laughs> We've magazine. Tried we tried. I mean, they're like, uh, Pete, we remember your phone and the turn by turn directions, the cougar. Oh, 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 yes. In meeting with his assistants in way back when we started and we got that invitation to, uh, you know the the Emerald Palace. You know where where nobody sees the wizard, but I mean we we got in there and you know it was like we had three, which we accidentally ended up having dinner with Rick Warren for about three three or four hours. You and me and a, and a table of about four other lucky dudes. And uh, but but that day we're sitting in that office. Uh, Steve Gladen, it was right, and a couple other guys. I think um, one of the other guys I ended up interviewing him a couple of times. He's super awesome, but uh, yeah, Pete's. Uh, I, I had this GPS at the time. 
that you could like have these uh, different voices, and so, so I paid the two bucks. We we were new back then. It was slightly a little more unsanctified in those days. I had I had the uh, uh, the cougar voice is what it was called. I was like, "Hey, turn right now." <laughs> oh gosh, make a U turn and like, and, and it would say things like, "Are you still there, Tiger?" And I think that's I think what it, it did. said. I think it yeah, did. And, well, because what happened was we got there, but. Like their church is so big that like the final destination isn't actually where the door is. It's like you know I don't know the driveway or something. And it's so, the size of Disneyland. They they literally had he literally bought the Disneyland trams, the old ones, like the yellow oh, and blue ones. Okay, yeah, those I know are they did actually, that for parking. Yeah, no, th- those he actually bought those. That's where those are. If you ever wonder what happened, to the old ones they're there. So, I, yeah, we're in this meeting, and all of a sudden, it's like, are you still there, big boy? <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and Pete turns a million oh, dude. shades of red. I died. Oh. I died. I died. And I, I don't think I've ever used that voice again. I don't even remember the app that it was on. I was just like, I, I can't show my face. And they were laughing. They thought it was the funniest thing ever. And I'm and just, what's I'm super dead funny. What's super funny, I, I remember a couple things. I remember them being super cool. And I remember, uh, we, ha- I remember, um, Steve Gladen had on his desk a, um, plastic lagoon. Do you remember that with palm trees and everything? No. Uh-uh. And the lagoon was filled with M&Ms. And, and I, I just noted, I guess because I was looking at it for a long time and thinking, I really want one of those M&Ms, but it seems like an important meaning. I think, I think you don't reach out and just take an M&M. And it, it probably seems like a five-year-old, if you ask, can I have one of your M&Ms? Maybe it's a test. Maybe that's on the desk to, like, test my willpower, you know. And I'm probably failing this test. Maybe I should ask. Maybe maybe it's a man that doesn't see his life by the tail that doesn't grab that M&M. I don't know. It was the M&M test, and I'm sure I failed it. And and I like how you didn't spend any time thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's funny, though, because I was so, like, I was pretty raw. You know, I was a missionary. I had just gotten back, and I, I we laughed when we got out because I go, hey, I'm not very good with business people, anime, or, or like, important people. Because I, I literally, like, they're small talking, small talking, and I just go, okay, guys, well, hey, uh, we drove a while to get here. Um, what's this all about? <laughs> hey, I and say go like, for it. I remember just seeing, like, the look of shock on their faces, like, uh, and then they then they quickly recovered and go. Hey, we just wanted to get to know who you guys were. We saw least, what you're doing. At least they thinking. didn't say. At least they didn't say. Uh, you called this meeting. <laughs> we didn't though. No, we they, didn't. they actually said hey, and and that was kind of cool. You know, it was back in the day, and I think we were just small potatoes. And I that think was they that was that back out. before uh, people listened to the podcast. Because now that they listen to it, we don't get those calls anymore. We don't get no. the hey. Can you please come out here and meet with us? Yeah, we, we pretty much get like, at least oh, at least I don't I don't get the invite. Maybe you do. I don't know. <sighs> Not from important people anymore. I mean, you know, the little guys. You know who you are out there. The little people. The little guys. You know who me. you are. Only little guys <laughs> listen to this piddly little you podcast. Know, it's funny about our audience because only our our audience can get abused the way that we abuse them. It's funny. Well, that's because we we pretty much abuse ourselves as well. Hey, guess what I get to do today. Mm-mm-mm. I get to go to the DMV. Nice. Yeah, I got to renew the driver's license. Oh. So, yeah. 
Yeah. That sucks, dude. Yeah. By the way, have you had to do that yet? Renew my driver's license. Yes. I did when I got back and uh, from from the UK. Okay, no, but when's and, your next one do? Because the next one is the one where oh. you got to get the either the real ID or the federal limit supply ID. Oh, I don't know. When's it expire? Know. When's your license expire? Um, probably next gosh. year. Uh, probably. Let me see. I'll look now. Because by uh, October 1st of 2020, you have to have a uh, real ID in order to board a plane in the U.S. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's June 2020, man. Yeah. So. Oh, so I have to have that done before it because I'm going to Wales probably uh, about a month You're going to need. Yeah, so I have all my documentation. You got to prove like you need a passport. You need proof that you live where you say you live. You need uh, your social security card. I mean, there's like, I, I literally have a packet of stuff I got to go in with. Right. Because I need a real ID because you can't buy firearms without a real ID. Did I, don't, we lose I you? don't know these things. Did we lose you? No, I'm here. I just, I don't. Well, you know how things. important uh, firearms to, to Pete Mitchell. <laughs> like, well, the let, federal limit announce. supply ID will not allow me to buy uh, firearms. Oh, well, that's kind of a big deal for you. It so, kind of is. We're talking today um, about, go ahead and announce our topic. Well, it was actually brought up. I I honestly, this is another topic that I don't know that it's going to take more than five minutes (laughs) to discuss. But one of our listeners reached out to both of us on Facebook and said, hey, I think you ought to do an episode on uh, the mass shootings and, you know, what our response should be or something like that. And... uh, so I was like, I, I don't know how to take more than five minutes on that, but yeah. Well, so, uh, I guess we got more smack. Got more. I, actually, I wonder if today's a day where we ought to just jump in because of uh, this is a sticky one. Well, it's 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 just yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. It's a sensitive. Uh, it's a sensitive topic as it should be. Yeah. I mean, whenever you're seeing. Uh, people whenever you see people killed it's disturbing but when you see them mowed down uh for what appears to be no better reason than this is how i get famous yeah i mean that's kind of what some of them seem to be though uh we recently had a uh, a mass stabbing in garden grove i don't know a week ago a week and a half ago something like that uh, that was done with a machete, and that one was not done out of this is how I become famous. That one was done out of anger and and pure evil, right um, in the heart. So, uh, but but the bottom line is, is it's such a uh, it, it's like the third rail of politics, right? Right now, because you've got the people like me who are you know big uh, firearms enthusiasts. Uh, and then you got people who are like, well, I think we should just ban everything. And uh, and I think there's a, a big disagreement on what the core issue is. And that's <clears throat> that's a big part of the, the discussion. Uh, but it, it's a sensitive subject. I mean, you know, right. when you have a loved one who's killed, uh, you're upset. But, I mean, I can't even fathom having a loved one that's killed just randomly – you know, because they happen to be shopping at Walmart 
or right. you know they just happen to be going to Home Depot or you know they were at the strip mall whatever it is uh, yeah. yeah it's it's one of those so things. the guy I was camping with was uh, he lived in Corona and he was um, in was he there the, for that the San Bernardino he was there one? earlier that day at that Costco oh which I wondered Costco. about okay. yeah because yeah, yeah. when I I've been to that Costco with uh, with Eric before um, there's a Best Buy it's all uh, I can't remember what. Freeway, so for our, for our friends there. who live in other parts of the country, there were actually two shootings, I believe, at the same Costco the same day right? in uh, Corona or Riverside. They weren't connected, but they, they both happened <laughs> at the same place. Right. And uh, stop playing with your computer. I can hear you. I oh, know. You can hear my clicking. I can hear your clicking. Click, click. Click, click, click. Click. <laughs> And uh, so, anyway, let, let me let me kick off kick us off a little, Doc Brown, and, and then we'll get into the topic. All right. Great Scott, it's time for this week's topic. Let's get down to the nitty gritty. So, what? What? Let me start off by saying, what are your yeah. thoughts as uh, as as ministers, as ambassadors of the gospel? Let me get your your opinion. Like, yeah. where where do you think so, we start? I mean. Really, just, you know, to start off to say that, you know, we're in an age and a time where, I mean, this is unprecedented, you know, um, the ability to go in and mow multiple people down. Um, it's not like the old days where you'd, you'd pick up a, you know, a, a sword or a, you know, and you could be overpowered or if you were, I mean, almost every time in the past, you didn't have a way to mow down multiple people fast. And, you know, even even like in the days of the Cowboys and stuff, it, you know, I was just in Bodie, which was one of the most violent, wild you know, I western think, though, mining that, that towns. For me, I, I just got to like kind of bring us back to reality. Actually, yeah, we have. Well, okay. So, so, I, so in I, mass I don't warfare, wanna, yes. but not no, like, I'm not even talking about mass warfare. Look at the uh, the big shooting that we had in the 60s. With the dude up in the tower who killed thirty people with the bolt action rifle, right? right. Um, so, so, so yes, growing up we had that, and we had like people quote unquote going postal where that came from, where a guy would yeah. hop up on on top of the building. But but what I mean is it's 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 really snowballed. I mean these are happening you know uh, far more frequently, whereas. We referenced the part in the 60s, and it was kind of like it, it stands like a mountain peak. You know, um, the first time a school shooting um, happened on the scale of Columbine, it, it rocked the world, and we knew that we had crossed the threshold. It's kind of like 9-11, where you cross these thresholds, and you say, okay, we're in a new era now. And, and I do think, like, you know, you rightly point out, these things have happened before. There have been massacres in times past, um, you know, but. Yeah, and, and I, think, I think really, though, to me, because as I look at what has happened over the last hundred years, uh, we're actually seeing less uh, uh, gun uh, deaths than in the past. Right. But what, is, what has changed today is the information world we live in. The access to information. It's no longer just you have three channels on TV. We now have worldwide coverage. Yeah. And so we do hear about these things. Like there have been a lot of mass yeah. shootings at schools prior to Columbine, but most of the time they happen in gang infected schools. Right. And so we kind of just said, oh, well, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's those people. 
And like that's that true. was the attitude. And point. once it happened to white kids, it was like, yep. oh, wait a second. This isn't supposed to. I mean, and so. So my my nephew, and I'll give him a shout out. He doesn't listen, but his name's Tadis. And he is um, probably Dude. one of the smartest dudes I know. Your you nephew is like, because I've met your nephew. And I'm like, that is one man I would not want to fight. <laughs> like he, he is, is huge. Oh, my gosh. He is he is huge. I mean, he's massive. Like he, he, when you first meet him, you're like, oh, I hope he's nice. You know, he's <laughs> right. humongous. Please, he's a monster. Please don't hit me. Please don't hit me, sir. But he's also extremely smart. He says the funniest stuff to me. He's like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'm coming out with a cold. And he's like, I don't get sick much. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah, man's bred out of me. <laughs> he's like, you know, back in the slavery days, my great great grandfather was a slave. Oh and he's like, he's like, men like me were bred. You know, and he's right. He's like, I'm a workhorse. That's that's what I was made for, you know. And uh, but he'll say like, oh, yeah, the conditions my answer said it build up an immunity. And uh, he, he's basically letting you know, hey, white boy, you're a snowflake. You're a powder puff. I'm way tougher than you because I was bred to be. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny, though, because he is one of the smartest dudes um, that I know. He's got a master's. He's he's getting ready to do his Ph.D., but he is incredibly smart. And I, he was the first guy I ever heard that from. He said, you know, he goes, this has been happening because he grew up in, you know, Compton, Watts, different neighborhoods and um, different parts of L.A. And he now works in inner city L.A. Um, with uh, troubled youth. And that's what he does during his day job. He's in a, He leads a special program for kids coming out of gangs or maybe they're. Their home life isn't right or whatever. And he, he's, his mission is to rescue kids. He himself mm. has done time for, uh, manslaughter, yada, yada. Um, you know, but he is a, um, he's a man that I greatly respect. And it's really cool to look at your nephew and just be like, dude, I'm kind of in awe of you because you're an amazing dude. Like you're, you're, you're a, you're a man that I'm proud of and, uh, proud to call my family, proud to call my nephew. But he, he's interesting because he likes to, he likes to make people think. And the first time he ever said to me, Hey, this has been happening in my neighborhoods, um, in, in, you know, for years, for decades. And Columbine was nothing new to me, you know, right. he goes, yep. and, and, and that was, that perspective rocked me. He goes, but now it happens to white people. And Bono brought up the same thing that, you know, if, if you know, you, you hear that 35,000 plus kids start to death today, you're not bummed about it. Cause you're like, Oh, and, and, and this is Bono now. I'm not saying, I'm not making a statement like I'm not bummed about. It. I'm saying, and I got to be careful here. Bono said, if those were white kids, we would have a different response. And he makes a good point. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, we, we actually, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, I've got another podcast that I do with uh, another church planter. Uh, he's the real church planter, not like this, this fake Peyton guy. <laughs> uh, Dan Sams. It's called From Concealment. We actually just launched it this week. Uh, you can find the first three episodes online, so uh, go check it out. From Concealment Podcast. I'm hoping Apple actually approves it. We're, we're kind of like, I don't know if Apple's going to uh, approve it because, you know, it's a gun podcast and they right. don't really like gun podcasts. Right. But, um, but yeah, we, we were talking about that actually on uh, the latest episode that you guys won't hear for a couple more weeks. Um about how there is absolutely racism in the United States. Like all these guys who are out there, oh, there's no more racism in the US. Baloney. There's totally right. racism. 
and uh and, and you know I've told you this man because your daughters are uh are uh uh part black and part you know different Filipino and what what's you got a uh, Hispanic black and uh, uh Filipino and yeah. white and so I was just like there are places in this country that as your daughters get older, I would not want them to go, especially right. by themselves. Right. Uh, because the cops are some of the most racist people you'll meet. And I'm not saying all cops are racist. Please, guys, don't let's turn this into that kind of thing. But I'm, my only point is there is absolutely racism that still happens wow. in the United States. For sure. For sure. For sure. And uh, like even your your nephew, um, yep. you brought this up on one of our podcasts. He's like, "Hey, when I get pulled over by a cop, I'm like putting my hands out the window on top of the roof of my car, and yep. you know, I'm I'm doing whatever it takes to make that cop feel safe." Yeah, and it's funny because I look at that and I'm like, as a white guy, I've never had that thought before. Right. You know. Um, yeah. You you pull over and you you know, hey, I'm a law abiding. He knows he has to put his hand outside the vehicle because he's so intimidating and he has to say, um, Hey officer, I don't mean any trouble. Um, I'll, I'll get you everything you need. You know, he has to change his tone. He has to, he has to, you know, uh, put his hands on outside the window on top of the roof and he, he holds that pose. Um, he, he gets out in front of it and he says, he actually says, I know what I look like. I know I'm a bit intimidating. <laughs> I'm going to comply fully, you know, and uh, and that's that's what he has to. But has he's to do. he's smart enough to actually do that and has the uh, the 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 temperament to humble himself to do that, right? Because people should be rightly offended that they have to do that. Right. I, I believe they should be offended that I even have to be this way. Um, I, I, I don't think that people should have to be that way, but the reality is, you know, you're going to get shot by a cop and they're right. going to get off. Like the, the possibility it, been, of him getting shot is much higher. And not only that, he has four boys and he'll often say, I have to model this for my boys. So they understand. Oh, see, that's even smarter, man. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's great. Yeah. yeah so anyway, um, but back to, to what you were talking about with, you know, the, this, now we're seeing this stuff a lot more, and um, how do we how do we address that as a church? How do we address it as uh, you know people in ministry? Give me some of your thoughts. <clears throat> well, the first thing is you know our our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? Um, and and by that I'm not saying that we don't have a battle on these because we're going to get into that. What do you what do you do? What if that comes knocking on your church door? It's a it's a possibility. Um, and so particularly, I mean, sometimes churches are targeted. So it's a probability. It's not just a possibility. Um, the the reality is that um, this this is an evil that stalks the earth now, and that that's kind of the point I'm making. This is something that our forefathers didn't think about. Um, it's something that ministers of the past didn't have to deal with. They didn't have to wrestle with questions like internet and internet porn. Um, they didn't have to rescue, uh, wrestle with um, mass shootings um, in the way that we do. So uh, these are these are topics that when you're talking about a church plant, um, are you going to have uh, something in place? How are you going to deal with it? So first off, I think the the, the shallowest. 
consideration is social media. Um, I'm not involved, so I, I think it becomes like if we tackle it, we can we can kind of go. If we think of the invol- levels of involvement as like concentric circles, we start with the outer circle. You know, I hear about it on the news. Um, what's my response as a minister of the gospel? How do I react to this online? You know, because that that's where you know the marketplace is nowadays, both literally and figuratively, so to speak, where everybody's congregated on social media. So how do I interact online with this? How do I, uh, you know, kind of get involved? Um, and, and what's helpful and what's unhelpful? For example, um, I would say some of the unhelpful things I see is when somebody just goes, see, nothing's ever going to change. That's why the world needs Jesus. <laughs> I'm always like, dude, like, not now. You know, like, that's like going to a funeral and, and you know, kind of standing up when they ask, does anyone have anything to say? Yeah, you know, this guy wouldn't have died so early if he hadn't been smoking. You know? Yeah. Like, you don't do that. You know? Hey, you know, he, we all know he wasn't the smartest of characters, you know? Like, okay, cool. So why, while the world is in confusion and pain and suffering, just go ahead and, you know, throw at him that this is your fault because you don't have Jesus. That's what it feels like. To be honest, to me, I'm I'm standing back, going, "You're kind of being a jerk." Yeah, I, I know I, you mean well. I know you think like nobody's reading your your tweet or your Facebook post and going, "Oh, that's my problem. This happened. That guy loaded a gun because I don't have Jesus." Nobody's saying that. And and also when you say that, it's so out of proportion, it doesn't make sense to people. This is the disconnect that happens when you're just around church people. Nobody understands. Like, my neighbors don't understand, like, how does having Jesus mean that that's not going to happen? Are you saying that it's going to be like, if if I accept Jesus, all the world around me is this giant utopia and problems don't happen? Like, you know, unicorns poop jelly beans in, in front of me everywhere I go and you know, I fart rainbows. What What are you talking about? Right. So, so, so that's one of the ways. Um, another of the ways that I think is unhelpful is engaging in the narrow debates on it. Um, I, I, I believe that for us in this hour, um, in, in, even in the first century, Paul said, be careful how you walk amongst outsiders as wise and not as unwise, right? Um, that that whole idea, you know, and, and when he's talking about be careful how you walk, he's talking about your conversation, everything. Um, he starts talking about how you answer people um, with grace, season with salt. You, you have to, grace has to permeate everything that you say. There are times I hold back on social media because everybody... It's kind of like that old um, adage that, every, you know, opinions are like anuses. Everyone has one. You know, sorry to be crude, but <laughs> the statement's actually a little bit um, cruder than that. But You, you could have said uh, they're like armpits. Everyone's got them. Some of them oh, don't you know, smell too good. Oh, you know, that's what I usually say. That's what I, now Come on, clean it up. This is a church planter sorry. podcast. It's a medical term, though. I, Oklahoma. Yeah, RN. Everybody's got an opinion, and unfortunately, in our country, we excel in giving opinions with before we have all the facts. And it's pure emotion and very little logic that is the name of the game and rules 
rules the game on Facebook and social media. So when I find people tangling, you know, and, and really getting into it, it seems to me like a failure to listen, a failure to hear. So I observe a lot. I hear what people are saying. I want to know what people's fears and hopes and expectations are in life. I'm still learning from the human race. Like, because, you know, it's kind of like Spurgeon said, if you want to become a good preacher of the gospel, you must study humanity. They must be your first textbook, you know, outside of the Bible. And that's true. You have to study the word and you have to study men. And so, um, I, but I don't tend to let, um, public opinion and, uh, the argument that's happening. I don't let other people frame the conversation that I want to have. So I think about it, I pray about it, and occasionally I will enter the fray and give some. Like, it's very rare, rare that I'll share something political. And when I do, usually somebody wants to make the conversation what they want it to be. Remember that time I quoted um, not long ago the, the guy, um, I'm trying to remember who it was, um, the guy that wrote uh, Upton Sinclair, right? Was it? No, it wasn't him. It was someone else. I don't remember who it was. And he was just saying, you know... Um, Something about, I don't remember who it was. Could have been Orson Welles. I don't remember, but it was some, it was an author. It was actually an author and it was something about, um, with socialists, it's not so much that they love the poor as much as they hate the rich. And I thought it was a really good, it was someone who was himself a socialist and, um, and he was being honest and he was reflecting that, Hey, this is a weakness of our movement. And I shared it and people went nuts over that. And this one guy decided to troll the whole thing and he got chewed up and spit out by most people watching. But it was just like, dude, I look, you know, what happens is it, it becomes what it's not about. And to me, what on social media, my job as, as a minister of the gospel is to minister to people's pain first. It's kind of like when Jesus tells a parable, the good Samaritan, who's a good neighbor? Well, when you find a guy broken and lying on the ground, you go over and you bind up his wounds, you put him on your horse, and you take him to an inn, you pay his fare. Like, there are people broken and bleeding on the side of the, you know, on the side of the road during this time. And our responsibility is to go and minister to them and, and to heal them and to be that good neighbor first. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh-huh. I know I'm kind of like doing all the talking here. No, no, I'm just I'm curious. You know, okay, so let's 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 uh, let, let's let's step up the conversation. To, yeah, let's go to the next the next ring. Let's go deeper in. Yeah, what do you or see? Or as Tolkien as said, ring. further up, further up, and further on. Um, well, uh, you know, it, it, we've kind of talked about this a little bit on the the podcast before. Here's here's. Here's kind of my take on it, and I want to be careful how I say this because um, you can say things on one side of a tragedy that may not actually come true when you're in the middle of it. So people who listen to the podcast know that I have a concealed carry weapons permit. Um, I carry uh, a firearm pretty much all the time, like. You're 
If you see me in public, assume I have at least one firearm and one extra magazine on me at all times. Like, just you can assume it, and you're probably going to be right. Um, and and part of that is because I can, right? I mean, we live in a country where we're all supposed to be able to do that, though some states like mine, <laughs> which, by the way. My assistant Travis was listening to our, our podcast that Dan and I do because he was the one setting it all up in iTunes. Right. And he, he, he voxes me and he goes, I'd really like to hear that somebody starts a drinking game for every time you mention that California is communist <laughs> and not a free state. Everyone takes a drink. So I, I just happen to live in a, a not free state, but I live in a free-ish county, which is why I was able to, to get a permit. Um, and... We've talked about this on the podcast in the sense that, okay, my personal take is this. If you come after my family, I'm not going to have any problem putting you down. Right. I mean, that's just, I'm not even going to think twice about it. <clears throat> I'm going to be like, look, my family's in danger. I got to I gotta do what God has put me there to do, which is protect my family. Right. And I'm going to do that. Okay. And I'm going to deal with the consequences afterwards. You know, in California, you're going to go to jail. I don't care if it's justified. You're least spending a night minimum in jail, period. Right. right. Um, and probably going to have to fight for your life on trial because it's California. They don't like the fact that my county issues permits. And they'd rather you die, actually. I mean, it's kind of sad, but that's just California yeah. for you. Um, if... Like and, and I work security at my church, so uh, once a month, my job is to uh, protect the kids. And part of the reason why they gave me that that uh, job and worked me into the rotation is because I'm legally allowed to carry, and I do carry, and they know it. So they they have me do that. And again, you come after those kids. Hey, I I got a job here to protect them, and I'm going to protect them. Um, if I was alone. Like, let's just say I'm alone at a rest stop. Uh, no one else is in danger. I don't know what I would do because my own personal theory is, okay, if I die. If he dies, I know, he dies. Yeah, yeah Sorry. a little, little, little Rocky, Rocky four, four there. Uh, I know what's going to happen to me. I know where I'm going. Yeah. And maybe that gives that guy a little bit longer to come to, to know Jesus. Hmm. If I shoot him dead and he doesn't know Jesus, that's that's a one-way ticket to hell, right? right? Right. Now I can say that on this side of that. I you know, what would I actually do in that scenario? Would I immediately go for uh protect uh myself? What what if I I don't protect him and then that guy goes on to kill other or if I don't you know stop the threat as we say? Uh, in, in our training, um, I allow the guy to kill me. I don't even bother pulling cause I'd rather give that guy a chance to live, but then he goes on to kill more people. Well, now I've done a, a another, so, I mean, it's like, you can say all this stuff you want on this side of it. What's going to actually happen in the moment. I can't honestly say, you know, what I would do. I mean, I'd like right. to think that, that I would rather die than send someone to hell. Uh, but if other people are in danger, you know, I think you got to side for the other people, right? You got to yeah. look. Yeah. I mean, we are called to defend others. And Jesus, you know, uh, he was a defender of the weak. I mean, he's very much portrayed as that, particularly in Luke's gospel. 
um, and also in Mark, um, you, you have him really defending people that can't defend themselves against Pharisees and other things. But, you know, you, when, when it comes to, it, it's funny because somewhere the church has swallowed this idea of pacifism, um, that we need to be pacifists. And if you've ever, um, you know, kind of, uh, studied a little bit about Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer mm. came to realize that, um, he couldn't just be a pacifist. He couldn't just decide, I'm, I'm just going to do nothing because, you know, the king. So he, he, he became, um, some people say, oh, no, he didn't, he didn't, but he did. He allowed his phone to be used for underground activity, um, you know, uh, counter. He was very close to the assassination attempt, um, I believe. I'm, I'm rusty. I read this stuff in high school. Bonhoeffer biography, not not the new one by Eric Metataxis, which is on my list, but Bonhoeffer was, um, you know, he came to realize he wasn't directly, uh, you know, uh, invo- but he was allowing his phone to be used by one of his relatives to help orchestrate that plot, and that's what led to his imprisonment was the connection, hmm. and and he writes about that that hey, you know, in in the face of that kind of evil. You, you have to do something. You can't just do nothing, right? Like that's, and there's that old adage that the only thing that evil needs to prevail is when good men simply do nothing. Right. And it's funny to me, the further we get away from World Wars, uh, the World War One and World War Two, where um, there was uh, mass evil going on that, um, and I, I find it so funny today that we got, we're in this time where people say, oh, well, you know, it's very trendy. I walked into a gaming store where um, it used to be like good versus evil in these war games. And um, it was a nerd store. And uh, I walk in there and I said, oh, like the undead, they're, they're the evil ones. I'm explaining to my six-year-old that, you know, hey, um, and my 10-year-old that, you know, these are the good guys. They're the angelic warriors and these are the bad guys. They're the, if anyone's played this new Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, it's like the new thing. They got rid of all the dwarves and elves, and now it's just like, you know, stormborn eternals. They're like angelic beings. And I'm like, oh, those are the good guys. And and the guy goes, well, it depends on your perspective. And he spews off this thing about, you know, from the undead perspective. And when he finished his great spiel, I looked at my daughter and said, so basically those are the good guys and those are the bad guys. And, and, and it was just kind of like, yeah, dude, nice try, and that's cool. You're trying to be enlightened, but there is such a thing as good and evil. Yeah. And, and Tolkien, you cannot, you cannot say you love Tolkien. You cannot say you're an appreciator of the Lord of the Rings without understanding that that's what he was saying. And World War II, they just came out the movie about how he fought in World War I, and that um, greatly influenced him. And then World War II, these things were huge on his mind. The idea of a colossal evil that Europe was not ready for. You see, they were Europe was way ahead. They're where we are now, believing that, oh, you know, it's because after World War One, everyone was disenchanted. That's where you had like Jean Paul Sartre and others that they just, you know, they, there was this idea, you know, it's the whole postmodern thing that uh, our foundations have been ripped apart. We no longer believe in good and evil. Then World War Two strikes. And oh, yeah, there is still evil in the world. World War Two for Europe was the cure that there is still an evil in the world. It was almost like the cure for, for postmodernism in that sense. Um, it didn't lead to an existential crisis of, 
you know, let's return back to God, but it was an existential crisis. It did definitely lead to um, this idea that now we know there's evil, but we can't explain it, right? Mm. It, 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 it's in man. And so, so Tolkien writes his masterpiece to say there is evil in man, but there's also good in the world. And this is where it comes from. And the whole thing is kind of a, an appeal to the image of God in man and to finding God in unexpected places. That's the whole reason he picks the Hobbit. There's a huge allegory, you know, about Christianity on and off all the way throughout it. But there is a clear good versus evil thread. And, and what I'm saying is we get to this point now where eventually people are going to start saying, well, you know, from the shooter's perspective, you know, he was right too. And we'll get there. We're not there yet. Oh, uh, you we'll really think? I do. I do. I think we're going to get there eventually. I am shocked. You know what? You that know what? People okay, defend I, Hitler. I am shocked that people defend now things that in the past, and they're trying to be enlightened. And and you'll find this, you know, that hey, from Hitler's perspective, people will bring this stuff up. It's crazy. I actually wrote an article in my marketing newsletter. Uh, I don't remember if this was the title, but this was the gist. Uh, evil people never see themselves as the villain. Correct. Hitler exactly. never saw himself as the villain. No. Osama bin Laden he, never saw himself as the villain. Never. They both saw themselves as saviors. As the hero. They yeah. always see themselves as the hero. Yep. And um, so, yeah, it's, no. It's I, like this Jeff Bezos, uh, not Jeff, um, who's the guy recently that killed himself in, in prison? Um, the guy that had the oh, sex traffic <laughs> ring. And the, he didn't he, kill himself. It was Hillary. She snuck into his, his cell <laughs> and killed him. <laughs> Yeah, who hey, Epstein. who in the heck knows? But here here's the deal, right? Is okay. Well, so Hillary Epstein. knows. She was there. <laughs> <laughs> so so I love here's the internet. I oh love gosh, the internet. Oh gosh. But you know, that that guy also, he saw himself as saving the human race by doing like that was the lie he had told himself is he is um saving the human race by doing all and you know, it's gross. I don't even want to get into it, but um, you know, but but here Here's the deal, right? Because um, you're going a little bit further than I wanted to go at this stage, but I guess we we open the can of worms, and that is what to do when it hits your church. The first, the next circle I was going to go into was, yes, please. What do I do when it's in my city, right? So, like the church in Aurora, mm. Colorado, that you and I talked with, where um, it was, um, you know, it, it was a tragedy that happened. What does the church do during those times? And um, one of the things that churches are really good about during those times is opening up counseling, um, kind of being there, holding vigils, you know, saying, hey, we're here for you during this time. And again, it, it's that biblical concept of mourning with those who mourn. And of course, when people come into your space, they're going to hear, they're going to watch, they're going to see what you model about how you turn to the Lord in this. But it's not just a quick internet, you know, this is what happens when you don't follow Jesus, you know, or Jesus is the only answer. Gosh, I, I don't, I don't get that, you know, like that doesn't, that doesn't help me. But mourning with those who mourn. You know, rejoicing with those who rejoice. Um, that's the that's the key. And so churches are really good about that when it hits their city and their community. And um, town meetings, you know, being a voice there, um, speaking up with those things. Um, obviously, everybody knows that you love Jesus. Everybody knows that you think Jesus is the answer. But it's just not the thing that you say in that situation. 
right? What you do is you offer to serve because people don't want to listen to you. And I always tell people that you have to earn the right to be heard. And, and I'm actually proud of the church in these situations because I've, I've known many people that have been right there in the city, um, because of, you know, some of our contacts, Pete, um, you know, doing this over the years, we've been yep. able to be, you know, up and close with people, you know, like, like the gentleman who was in the theater during the Aurora shooting, you know, um, it, we, we bumped into him in the early days and yep. did, I, did we interview him? I think we did, didn't we? We did. And I don't. It was a video interview, and I don't know if it made it in the magazine or or what. I, I honestly don't remember because that was also back when we were like learning how to use the equipment. <laughs> I'm not sure if right. it recorded the audio because I know some of those interviews it didn't. So I, yeah, but that was because I remember where it was when we we interviewed him. So so I'll I'll quickly go past that because I think that's something that the church does very very well, and to tell those stories. What what I don't like that I saw. Um, during um, one of the recent um, tragedies, and I'll be very vague about it, was where it got um, overly done, where it was um, letting your good deeds, um, parading your good deeds in front of men. Um, there was a, a tragedy that struck, and it was all over the Internet, that this is what this church did. And I think that there's a, a point at which if others, you know, like kind of like the scripture says, let others praise you, not you yourself. Um, this this group was look what we did, look what we did, look what we did, and it was parading these these good works, and it left a bad taste in my mouth, and I'm I'm sure it did other people as well because you know when you're when when religious groups do things and then they parade it, it's kind of like. I don't know if I'm the only person this bothers, but it bothers the crap out of me. Hey, here's Jimmy, and you're taking a selfie of Jimmy. I just told Jimmy about Jesus, and then you're posting it on the internet. On so many levels, that's wrong. Number one, um, Jimmy isn't, you know, he's he's not your, you know, your, your how am I going to put it? Um, he should not be the poster boy that you've been busy for Jesus. Um, number two, it's weird. Like, hey, Jimmy, I just shared Jesus with you, but let me do the most shallow thing I can and brag about it online. Like, I always feel sorry for Jimmy. Like, what's going through Jimmy's mind? He's like, dude, this is this is a, a Twitter brag. Or a, why are you doing this? Like, that's just bad taste. Um, it's kind of like, hey, I'm in the gym, you know, checking. Instagram just weirds me out. I want nothing to do with Instagram. It just seems like people showing their bodies all the time and bragging. So I'm, that's why you'll never find me on Instagram. That's why anymore. you're going to find me on Instagram at about another 50 pounds. <laughs> but but anyways, that, that whole idea. And, and so I don't mind if we do it and we tell those stories. And other people, like Proverbs says, let others praise you, not you yourself. Um, oh, and, you know, I was, no, the actual biblical part of it where it says, don't let your left hand, you know, know what your right hand is doing because they do these things to be praised by men. Um, Jesus had really strong opinions about when you do something, let it be done in secret. And in this age of social media, it just seems like we can't get that right. Like it's just yeah. made us a bunch of Pharisees. And to be quite honest with it, I, I, at times I just go, I'm just going off social media, man. I don't, I just don't get it. Like if I'm going and speaking, I don't post all over the internet. Hey, I'm speaking here. Check me out. I'm speaking. You know, it's like, it's weird, man. Like I just, I, you know, I'd rather post about the A team in the eighties, man. But 
you know, the, the whole thing is let others praise you because it's going to be weird. It seems like it's for ulterior motives when you're bigging up yourself and what you do. So don't do that. Yeah. Right. When it hits your city, let others, let the mayor post on social media what, what you did as a church. Let, let the citizens do it. And if they don't, fine. At least you comforted the people and there were no ulterior motives and people aren't looking and going, Oh, wow. You think pretty highly of yourself. Oh, you did this and you did that. Great. Good for you. But I don't, you know, I had pain. I had need in my life. I, I didn't, I didn't do it so I could become your trophy, you know, like, so anyways, okay. So what about when, you know, what you were hitting on, it, it enters your, um, your church and that's where you're bringing up like, Hey, if someone tries to hurt your family and I'm, I'm all the way with you, like someone, I, I, I always think it's sad when God, you know, God is not a pacifist in the Bible at all. And, uh, you, you look at <laughs> even Paul's theology, he was not a pacifist, um, he, he had some things to say about, hey, this guy bears the sword for a reason. You know, Paul was not, you know, he says he executes God's judgment. There, there are some things that modern liberal theologians would grapple with and, and oh, well, we don't believe in Paul in these things anyways, which is what they usually say. Um, Paul's wrong about all these things. Uh, but what do you do when it hits your church? What's, what's your thought, Pete? You know, it's interesting, and I'm going to take a kind of a, a, a side detour here. Um, again, plugging the From Concealment podcast. I believe it's episode two. Dan Sams, who's a, a pastor, church planner in Ohio. Um, I know in episode one, and it might have been in episode one too, I, I tell one of my recent experiences of being grateful that I had a firearm on me, and he told one of his experiences of uh, not having his firearm on him when he was in the an inner city and a uh, a drug dealer um, was trying to like rope him into a situation with a prostitute uh, where he was he was afraid for his life and mm. one of the things that you got to understand about Dan Dan actually works uh, in different countries planting churches uh, training guys. Uh, most of the people in his churches are uh, people who have been deported from the United States who are ex-gang members. And, you know, we're not talking about the fluffy gangs. We're talking about the we-kill-people gangs. And um, and so w- both of us are kind of like, we don't know if people are going to actually like our From Concealment podcast because we are not typical uh, gun guys in the sense that we actually do value life, right? We We... Don't want to just be like, well, if you come after me, I'm going to kill you dead, right? We both are kind of like, well, you know, if I die, I die, you know, that's it's for us, it's more of protecting our loved ones uh, than ourselves or, you know, protecting even the, the general public. But one of the things that, that he said that to me that w- was very, very profound is he goes, I'm always thinking in the back of my mind, you know, this bad guy right now, he might one day be a brother of mine. Right. Because a lot of the uh, guys that he works with, like in Nicaragua and Honduras and stuff like that, yeah. um, there there are guys who are now leaders in the church who have killed a lot of people. Yeah, yeah like it's it's not about. it's not you know oh you know they 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 knew something. no it's like they they did it he knows right. they did it. and now he calls them right. a brother you're a brother of mine right and uh, 
so there, there's always that that thought, like we value life. Jesus valued life. Jesus loved Judas till the end. You know, so what do you do when it when it comes in your church? Well, the way I look at it, um, most of the churches that you and I go to or are a part of, uh, the bulk of the people in there are probably not saved. Mm. Like they're just not. So you come in here and start killing people. You're sending people directly to hell. Right now, I don't know if you go to like some. I mean, I guess technically, right now, the church I go to, I would say that's probably not the bulk of the people in there. Um, oh, which we're still trying to penetrate the community, and and when people from the community come, I know they're not saved. Right. Um, but you know, so I, I, you know, you, I, I would say stop that evil if you can. Um, but you know, but I, I respect people who, who are like, I choose not to carry, right. They're like, I don't, I don't want to carry. And that's different. That's different from someone like I do have a problem with someone who says, Hey, I just think we're called to nonviolence and we're called like, no dude, like you were made a man for a reason. You were made, you were given strength, not just to work. You were given strength to defend. I love, um, uh, what's his name? John. Um, he wrote that wild at heart. I can't remember his last name, but you know, that, that whole idea he brings up that, Hey, we were made to fight. Like if you, if you think we weren't made to fight, you're, you're made to fight the enemy as a Christian. You were meant, Adam was meant to be a protector in the garden. He was meant to shield off Eve and he failed. Um, to do his duty in that. And that, that's part of his failure. And that's part of the curse that he inherited. Um, but he, he had a job to do. He had work to do. He had a battle to fight. He had all those things pre-fall and post-fall. It's no different. Well, when you see an, an evil in the world, why should I, if I have the power to stop somebody or the opportunity to stop somebody from murdering a child, why would I think that God doesn't want me to do that? To me, that is the weird twist. And, and I'm just going to say, I think it's twisted. I actually think because I'll, I'll see that through the eyes of a non-believer. And someone might say, oh, well, Peyton, non-believers, you can't use them as a... No, I'm just saying, I think it, and I know what effect it's having on non-believers when they hear that crap, that really... You would value the life of that person over a child who hasn't even grown. That's bizarre. And then you blame God for that kind of twisted thinking. Mm. I'm sorry. That's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. And so, you know, it's one of those things where I would say, um, like you said, though, that's a real quick, Pete, like one caveat, what you said, though, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm saying everyone should carry a gun. Not saying that at all because yeah. it's it's that that old I'll adage say it. that yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but uh, what I'm saying is, you know, it's kind of like this: we have a military, right? Um, we and like I said, the further we get away from these world wars, the more you see people going, "Oh, well, I don't believe in this." I don't. You have that luxury, right? Because someone protects you. You have the luxury of thinking that. Well, and in that was country. that was the the guy who uh, asked us to do this podcast. He was like, you know, what's your take on all this? And and my response was, it's really simple. And stop being the person who calls somebody with a gun and be the person with a gun. Like right. the only thing that's going to stop 
a bad guy like that, a mass shooting, is someone with a gun. Everyone knows that on some level. We don't like to admit it, but that's the reason why you call cops. The reason why they right. come and show up is because they have a gun. Right. Like they're they're prepared to handle the bad guy. Right. And the problem is, is well, now you've let 60 seconds go by, 30 lives go by. Um, you know, how many people in Gilroy died uh, a couple of weeks back and the cops were on scene within 60 seconds because it happened at a festival and the cops were already there. And yet something like 12 or 16 people were shot and three died. Uh, I mean, like, you know, seconds count. Seconds well, count. Th- this is the thing. is, and, and I know we'll get heat for this podcast because somebody will will write and say, hey, I thought better of you. Um, how can you be a Christian? And the question I'd always like, you know, I came from a military family. I do not personally own a gun, although I was raised in a house full of guns. Um, here's the deal. Um, uh, the question I always ask people when they take that tack is think this through logically now. Are you trying to advocate that the military is evil? Like, would you stand up and in the name of Christianity blast veterans for being unchristian? Because if if you know anything about the early church, um, the early church had Roman soldiers that came to faith. Paul talks about those in the Praetorian Guard. Now, they didn't leave their post as military. Um, they actually continued on. And Paul says they're just saved now, right? Um, and, and, you know, the... Uh, well, the, the same thing had, with cops. Right? Cops carry guns. Correct. And so, and so now imagine this now that the, that the church in the future is going to put its foot in its mouth. Just imagine this church gets out there and says, Hey, if you're, if you're a, a policeman and trying to follow Jesus, you're living a contradictory lifestyle. If you're a soldier and you're claiming to be a Christian, you have an inconsistency in your life. That, that's basically when you're telling me we're having this conversation, that's what you're telling me. And, and I would ask you, if you're going to write me and tell me that I'm wrong, I ask you to post on social media that you believe that being a soldier or a veteran was contradictory to being a Christian. I will issue that challenge to you because, um, and I've taken it on the chin when people, okay, I get it. You know, you, you're welcome to your opinion. But I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on this because I think at some point you got to follow this through to its logical conclusion, and I would love to see the reaction that you get and the witness you make when you say that having um, a sol- uh, just imagine all the soldiers and the good Christians that you know that have served in the military. Uh, I grew up in a combat infantry of multi generations. My uh, great grandfather was a combat infantry uh, soldier. Uh, officer in the Marines. My great-grandfather was in World War II. He was an officer, combat infantry, 101st Airborne. Um, my uh, brother was in multiple conflicts, um, you know, 82nd Airborne. Um, my stepdad was a, um, uh, he was in the Air Force, and he, believe it or not, he guarded a, a communications uh, outpost in Vietnam and he was jacked up. He, he unfortunately saw and did a bunch of things that men often should not be asked. And I, I will say that. Um, I agree with, um, uh, what's his face? Um, uh, oh, my favorite author. Um, oh, um, oh gosh, dang it. Um, Steinbeck, where he said the reason we give, uh, men 
in the military such um, awards and accolades and honors because we ask them to do things men should never be asked to do, mm. right? And I agree with that 100%. We're asking them to do things, and I've witnessed this firsthand in my loved ones, that jack them up for the rest of their lives. Yep. They are truly making yep. a sacrifice. Now, I dare you to go and tell them that they're unchristian for that. I dare you. So when when you have things like, you know, the, this whole discussion, what we're really talking about is there are sheep and there are wolves, but there are also sheepdogs. And, you know, the, I, I would pray that in a situation like this, that every congregation will have some sheepdogs in it. Well, and that's, again, that's what it comes down to for me in the sense that I don't have a problem if somebody's doesn't want to carry they they don't like guns i get it not everyone's like me and look at you taking the soft approach on this podcast <laughs> well i'm just saying i, I no I'm i like, agree i agree I'm like, Dude, I'm, I, and i'm i'm of two minds i'm i'm half there myself as you know well yeah i'm just i'm just like look i don't have a problem with that uh for me i don't i don't suffer from that affliction <laughs> Right there, there, there's the soft part killed. No, but um, <laughs> so I'm like, look, who did know this conversation turns out like this? Right. <laughs> so no, so I'm gonna carry because it's my responsibility. Like my wife wants nothing to do with guns. She's never fired a gun. She's not gonna carry a gun. That's my wife. Okay, that's fine. That's her. I will carry. I will. I will. You know, play the the sheep dog. Um, and and you just gotta pray that if you're a sheep. Your family are all sheep. You know, pray for there to be a sheepdog around you when the time comes. You know, pray right. for a guy like me to be around you who will step up and do the awful thing that has to be done. And if you are the person who is the sheepdog or sees himself as I could be that person, I'm going to be frank with you here. You better train. Having yeah. a gun does not mean, oh, you're good. You right. better spend the time and the money to train and train a lot because that is a real responsibility. You know, here in California, we like to say every bullet you fire comes with a lawyer attached to it because right. where did those bullets go? You know, did you make the right call? All of that stuff. You'd better train. And right. that's that's me. I take it seriously. I train all the time. I went to a training uh, two nights ago. Uh, I got a four-hour training coming up on Saturday. Jamie won't let me go tonight, or there'd be a, a competition I'd be going to tonight. You, you got to do that stuff, right? I yeah. mean, I go to probably – I mean, I, I do it excessively, but that's because it's also my <laughs> hobby. Uh, I, you know, mental. I probably go to five five to six times a month I'm doing something with right. firearms. right. right. So, and, and here's the thing, guy, we're not, we're, you know, guys, we're not, we're not advocating that you be Pete, you know, we're, we're saying. Yeah. Cause you you're know, not, that, you're, you're, the, you're, you're a Jamie. <laughs> you don't right, have a gun. Right. You I don't need carry. to Pete in my life. You, so we, we don't hang out close enough just so we're square. You're, yeah, you're a good yeah, hour and a half true. away. I'm still I can't trying to get you, you to move. I'm still trying to get you to move. Hey, dude, I'd but move. you know, I'd move in a here, heartbeat. <laughs> So here's the thing, um, guys, uh, while you're doing all this, uh, defending, you know, uh, Pete, where would you, where would you, uh, where would you go when you, you got to do the bookkeeping, you know, and you're doing all this training and yada, yada, what, what do you do? 
Uh, you know, I'm so grateful that you asked me that because I would actually use Simplify Church to handle all the payroll, IRS compliance, bookkeeping, workman's comp, website design. And then I'd go to the gun range and train. Nice. Uh, what was that website again? It was simplifychurch.com. Dot com. So, uh, guys, thanks for joining us today. We know this was a deep one. It's sticky. It's messy. I hope, if nothing else, that you appreciate that we were willing to ruffle some feathers. And it's funny because it, normally Pete and I come out on the opposite side of this. But I'm just a little, uh, sometimes I, I, I feel, I think what I get a little more passionate about is when the gospel gets misrepresented. And if I were sitting here talking uh, with someone who was telling me that we all need to get guns and carry them, I'd be equally as passionate opposing them on that claim as well. So understand I'm addressing the extreme pacifist on this and because I feel it's a misrepresentation of the gospel. I think the gospel allows for the balance on this, and I hate to see people claiming that the scripture claims things it doesn't claim. So uh, with that, guys, thanks for joining us today for the podcast. This has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Magazine.com.